Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. Hey, Howard. How you doing, my man? Right. I'm doing great. I saw you reach for the night. I know. I know. I know the Guess what? Special day today. Stock twits year in review. We're getting right to it. Fantastic. What a year this has been. Oh, my God. We don't God. talk about stocks a lot. We talk about trends and everything. But this is the year, you know. I'm, I'm one of the founders of Stock Twits, the Grand Poobah. And we've got, a, we've got a, we, there, a ground floor of what was one of the most incredible year for, for stocks and markets, for good and bad, mostly bad right. because of the pandemic. So I asked the kids at StockTwits, because they're kids. I said, hey, kids, whip me up a StockTwits year interview. Let's look at the, the year, break it down by month, and let's just, what was the thing that stood out month by month? And maybe if we have time, we'll just look into next year. All right? Sounds like a plan. So coming up here, we're going to dial in Tommy Tranfo, who uh, has not left the basement for about 12 months. Mm-hmm. I, I saw a glimpse of the whiteness of his skin. And uh, I'm glad this is a podcast. Yeah, thank God. And he's in he's in uh, outskirts of uh, Manhattan, like an hour or so from New York, running the community. He's an animal. He's kid twenty four seven, keeping stocked with safe for the for the semi normal lunatics that we have on the site, <laughs> like me. And then there's Riley Rosenberger. I can never pronounce his name. It's like a burger meets Rosen Rosenberger, and he can correct me. And he's a content manager. So he's kind of looking at the streams every day, putting together the rip with the team, putting together all the emails and trying to kind of surface the best content. And we're we're at hundreds of thousands of messages a day. So it's an unbelievable job for a small team. So they see it, they're ground floor. And I talk to them all the time, pointing out stuff too. And uh, so it's fun to get them back on the podcast. They were on the podcast. We'll link to it. They're hysterical. They, They make Barstool look boring. (laughs) <laughs> and so we uh, have them on here for a little bit of time walking through the stock to tier interview. Ready, Canoe? I am. Uh, let's get them on the phone. All right, here's Tommy. Tommy Tranfo. Yeah, what's up, Howard? Excited to be here, and uh, I'm ready to get this rundown started. Okay, and thanks for taking time off from poker to uh, do this. You're not getting paid for Any, this extra for you, hour. Howard. Thank you, sir. And then we have Riley. I'm just going to call How's him. How's it going, Howard? What's going on, Colorado? Howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy. It's uh, 420, it sounds like, based on that reaction. The um, Not quite. Not quite. So we, we're here. I asked you guys uh, if it's possible to, in a year of millions of messages and crazy moves in the markets, to put a stock twits year in review together. You guys, are, you did it. It's pretty damn cool to decipher, you know, 12 ideas over 12 months or, or 12 trends or t- 12 things that drove markets. So I want to get right into it. And we'll start with, you guys decide who, but January. What was January? What stood out in January, pre-COVID? Pre-COVID, I mean, we had the markets going towards highs. And I think the most alarming figure I saw was Tesla rallied 55% in January. People don't even remember that. It was absolutely incredible. Yeah. So so before COVID, the world was kind of the same. Mm -hmm. We had, uh, but we had our first SPAC, Virgin Galactic, right? So we had... We had Dow almost almost 30K, but we had Tesla up 55% in January. So that's what stands out the most to you, Riley? Yeah. 
And then, so everything's going along great. And then February hits. What was, what was that month to the Stock Twitch streams? Well, this is kind of what I wanted to talk about because space was really our first introduction to the whole SPAC world, which is like taking the world by storm. Like these last three months, I've added, you know, I'm adding dozens of SPACs to Stockwoods, it feels like every single day. But SPCE was really the first. Uh, I remember back in February, this was trending every single day. And their community members, like uh, shout out Sean J. Hustles out there, who know these guys were loading the boat at like eight, nine dollars. Uh, and had just an insane run. And so that got to like $42 in February. 42 and then uh, and then it crashed down to something like, you know, 17 or, or whatever. But still, you know, these, these people were early, early into this uh, SPAC world, uh, you know, way back when, even in like October 2019, really. Uh, so it was really crazy that this was kind of the first introduction to what now is, uh, you know, really becoming like the main focus point of conversation these days in the markets. So we've got no real hints. Riley, you, you studied the markets pretty closely. And it was a party. Mm-hmm. January and February, you know, I was in New York a lot. I was just, you know, you had the inklings of Wuhan. But then March hit. And March was like no month I've ever seen on stock twits. And obviously for the world, a pandemic. So what stood out in March? Well, I think kind of to mention what you had said before, it was, it was a party. Like I remember going out to eat all the time in Manhattan and, uh, and everything was good. And then on stock twits, we started seeing more and more people talk about the virus. And I even remember Tommy talking about it more and more. And even, uh, even myself and Phil, when he was with us at the time, we were talking about the virus and how it was developing, but it, it hadn't even hit the U S yet. And then finally, kind of like you said, once March set in, I think that was really when the virus took over the New York Stock Exchange shut down. Like, I don't know if that's the end of Wall Street as we know it, but it's it certainly felt like there was a seismic shift there. One of the things, Howard, that I think I really wanted to touch upon, especially for the month of March, um, is this idea of the social VIX reading. Uh, you were following the stock to its sentiment really closely during this period, uh, and you saw it kind of at its lowest ratio between bullish and bearish messages. Um, which is usually it's usually extremely bullish, right? That's the kind of general sentiment, you know, of the stock to its dreams and community. Uh, but around this period, kind of even before there was that huge drop off in the market where people like Marcus Aurelius were, were kind of posting all of their, uh, you know, short narratives out there, you know, you were on top of this uh, like social VIX reading. Um, and then in this article that talks about your, your social VIX reading, uh, there's this article or sorry, academic paper that came out called Inside the mind of investors during the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, evidence from the Stockwoods data. So this guy, Hassan Falagul, uh, uh, like a quant guy from the Toronto University, uh, analyzed like all of our data coming out of Stockwoods during this time. And he found this really interesting metric where when there was extreme disagreement between kind of bulls and bears on a particular subject, uh, there would be a, kind of a sharp reversal to the upside. Um, and so can you like just speak about kind of how you read like the social sentiment on Stockwitz and kind of how you find value in just observing and, and as Duzio says, just watching uh, the markets or, or, or social kind of posts that are out there? Yeah, it's, it's a good question, buddy. The, the key is I don't think sentiment works at the top as well as it works at the bottom. First of all, because the markets generally are in bull market trends, right? So, so all the indicators just get used every day. But in a bear market or in a panic, we only see those 
you know, every three to 10 years, right? And in this case, the VIX, which is the standard reading of panic, went to levels not seen ever, right? Past 2008 numbers, VIX was at 90. So you already had the standard readings in, you know, early March, as you said, the New York Stock Exchange shutting down um, of like, what? Like, it couldn't feel like a bottom because it was just like the world shutting down. So you had no context for, for the technicals that were happening because it was just seven days in a row of limit down and volatility. But what I notice is our sentiment, which is usually four or five to one bullish, you know, Stockton was born in 09, you know, 08, 09, the, the birth of, of a great bull run of, you know, 14 years. Um, we always tended towards four to five times bullish to bearish messages. And for the first time ever, I was seeing even, you know, messages, you know. Right. So the most bullish group of people, for good reason, because the stock tips was started at the beginning of the last bull market, you were now seeing people throw in the towel. Just they, had, they were freaked out, including myself. But, you know, I'm mature enough or been around enough or have a good enough network to, to, to make phone calls. And we started the podcast, you know, this panic with friends podcast that you're on now. And I was fading my own fear saying, well, we go to zero, which what it, we were six days away at the, the moves that we were having from being down zero. But in hindsight, the divergence was just too good to be true. And so, you know, right around there, we bottomed. And, and today, just flash forward, I'm seeing, I've never seen higher readings of books. And no reason people are bullish. Anybody who joined Robinhood or StockTwits in March or April has not even seen a pullback. So today we're seeing readings of 12 to 13 to 1 bullish to bearish. And that's much harder to gauge because that's every day, right? So if you shorted that based on everybody being too bullish, you're just getting your ass handed to you versus this once in a lifetime one to one bullish bearish on top of all this panic sentiment that were regular measures. So to me, it just, that's why I started writing about you have to buy stocks. And that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, hold your nose, buy some Google, buy some Starbucks, buy some Lulu, buy some McDonald's. In the end, those were too conservative. You should have been buying tech stocks as we'll get in. But I think in my 150 years of being alive, following markets, that March was the craziest thing that I've ever seen. And then sure enough comes April. And what stood out in April, boys? Oil, oil went negative. I think that's the most glaring thing that stood out to me. Um, I mean, I think we're going to be learning about that and having written about that for the next century. And it was really fascinating on StockTwit. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That is insane. One of my favorite things to come out of that period was uh, if you guys follow liquidity on Twitter, he had that great meme of just like a barrel of oil that was like, you know, negative five cents or whatever. And then he had the barrel of oil with the Supreme logo on it. And it was like $5,000. That was like one of my, one of my favorite memes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the memes this year, the market just handed memes. The market was the greatest meme The market generator. was the meme. The market exactly. was the greatest meme generator of all time this year. And I think that's what hooked the kids. The markets were a meme, right? With the, with the, the markets were a meme and they were on fire, you know? They were on fire, like that one meme of the guy and the two girls, whatever, whatever that meme came from. <laughs> yeah. That got used every day in a different way. That oil one is amazing. So oil was it? The New York Times posted that that meme with the guy and the two girls, right? Wow. Yeah. I mean, oil yeah. was sixty at the beginning of two thousand twenty. Went to negative thirty for an hour or something, right? And that's because people were on the hook for delivering it, so it went negative. And um, that in itself, you know, as a, as a trader, is like, well, when this settles, and sure enough, oils, you know, 
been back to over forty dollars a barrel, I think, on the forward contract. So, mm-hmm. so April. I like think the s- interesting thing is still seeing the energy ETF that it hasn't cleared above its June highs. So it still seems like the energy industry is still feeling those those repercussions from. Oh sure, because they they have April. a business to run. Oil, the the commodity, you know, doesn't mean that even if oil went to a hundred tomorrow, the companies would still stagger for a while. Do they commit to drilling? Do they commit to hiring? You know what I mean? It's a lag. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think, like you said, this will be studied for a generation. You know, you'll study the pandemic and the behavior, but these weird things like oil going negative were, were fascinating and and forgotten about because the world moved on into May, and so. You know, you've got the crash, you got January party with Tesla, you've got February SPAC, the the kindling of SPACs with Virgin Galactic and Chamath, but that was quickly forgotten in March because all those SPACs were now trading back at like, ooh, is the deal even going to get done? Because DraftKings, they weren't even sure the, the deal would get done. And then March, you got the bottom, which was the greatest panic in the history of, uh, you know, modern stock markets. And then you got April, which is like, oh, we're out of the woods. Oil goes negative. So what was to top this in May, boys? BTFD. Well, the Q's, they, uh, <laughs> the, the Q's closed at an all-time high. And I think we kind of saw like foretelling of this when, in, even in March. I mean, that's when we saw Zoom clear above 100 and, and make its own all-time high. But to see the Q's rally back and close at an all-time high, that was incredible. I would have never guessed it would have been in May. March, April, May, and we're back to all-time highs. I didn't even know it was May. And so Tommy was still, you were, you were back on a nipple, right? You had stopped drinking regular milk and you were back on a bottle at this time. (laughs) You were under your bed playing poker and drinking milk out of a bottle with a nipple. (laughs) Riley was holding everything together, just creating memes and um, trying to get out of New York. By the way, in, in March, you both ditched New York as well, correct? Yeah. So, I mean, it became a little bit almost spooky with all the all because there's there so much. Uh, I think one of the great things about this period, which seemed to go away now, but is still there is there was just so much uncertainty, uh, even when it came to just like where you're going to live, uh, where it just really didn't make sense to be so far away from like family and home. So I think a lot of people, you know, ourselves included, you know, made the decision. All right. Like, let's go back to home base and kind of see where the things settle. Uh, but things never really settled, but seems that there seems to be a little bit more certainty, at least now, with, you know, the vaccine and stuff like that. But, you know, back in March and April, really, there was there's was no certainty at all. And so by May, I think uh, Riley points it out, the Qs, the Nasdaq 100, no vaccine in sight. Maybe the first relief check hadn't even gone out yet. The PPP loans and the freaking Nasdaq 100s in an all time monthly closing high. So that was the first sign well, that hooked the bears because the bears were like, this is broken. I remember at 2,800 on the S&P that month, everybody was drawing, all the hedge fund guys were drawing lines at 2,800 on the S&P saying, all right, this is the top, you know, we're going we're gonna to mm-hmm. short here. Everybody's forgotten those charts, but Tapper and all these guys were like, get the hell out. And um, even Peter Brandt, who I had interviewed, said, you know what? This scared the shit out of me. I'm an older guy. Uh, I'll just trade. Like I'm cleaning up my retirement accounts and going to cash. I've never seen anything like this. Meaning he didn't panic at the bottom, but after a 40-ish percent rally in the S&P, he said, all right, you know, I'm, I'm close to my grave and uh, that's enough for me. Well, that was just the beginning. So now we have June. Q's closing at an all-time high. What the fuck happened in June? Well, I think we got to go back to the beginning in 
recognize Tesla had its one of its best months ever in January. So in June, it was kind of the Nikola frenzy. Everybody was trying to pick the next Tesla. And I mean, we saw Nikola rally from from what, like 20 up to 100? It went from something 10 ridiculous. its back price <laughs> to 100 in May and June. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's I already really forget cool. that. Like, like that would have been the story like, of the year in any other year. That was just the story of an hour in June. Incredible. And, you know, it's not just Nikola. Like, it's that entire, like, hydrogen slash electric energy space that really, even right now, is just exploding. Like, I know a lot of the people that from the community that were in Nikola, like, during June or even before June who got in, you know, very early, people like Chantel FX. Um, they're also really big on companies like plug and fuel cell, you know, FCEL. Sure. And, you know, those stocks are just, you know, having its day right now. Yeah. So even though Nicole is almost round trip since then, the slow bleed back down to around 15, 16 bucks today, which is probably overvalued. It probably shouldn't even have gotten to spec land. Um, that didn't put the fear of God in hydrogen people and alternative energy people And the EV spac market is hotter than it was in June. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, Plug's making new all-time highs, you know, shout out Bigger Capital. Like, it, it's insane. That solar ETF closed above 100. It's an, it's incredible. So we have the real thing, Tesla, in January. The markets crash, made the NASDAQ show signs of relief. By June, you're saying speculative fever, dance fever had returned in the form of Nikola, a fake Tesla. Because God forbid you should own the real thing, which <laughs> yeah. is now parlayed into... EV nirvana, but we'll get to that later in the year. So June goes away. Nicola peaks. No one knows that yet, but flash forward today, it's it's at 15 where it started out in May. And now we have, you call it the summer spectacular. And also Kodak got anointed by the criminals in the White House. Uh, and you started the After Hours podcast. Does that sum up the summer of July? Pretty much. But yeah, I mean, everything was spacking. It was summer spectacular, <laughs> you know? I, I mean, I think you had, you were definitely one of the front running seats of, of the summer spectacular too. I mean, you definitely talked about it more than, more than most people out there. So part of that's amazing this year, guys, is that you had fraud right next to magic all year. Nothing scared people. Mm -hmm. You have Kodak, uh, you had, um, what was the other, the Hertz or what was the other fake one? Yeah. Hertz. Hertz. So the same month you got Kodak, which is handed a gift from Kushner and co I don't know a billion dollars or something the stock went from five to 50 this is the same month right after people had just got Nicola they go to get Kodakted <laughs> and nothing scares them because SPACs are coming so we no one saw like you know there were still some great companies to buy and yet people were rushing and this is part of the sign of the times well you look back and you go, oh, you didn't, you didn't even have to go do crazy things like Kodak. You could have just bought CrowdStrike or, or Zillow and, um, Zoom. and Zoom or Peloton, right? Like you didn't have to go get crazy in July. But underneath the boom came, like you said, SPACs and the Griffs came into the market, right? Like the Kodak thing, the Nicola thing. And mm -hmm. then you started a podcast. What made you do that? Yeah, we started the After Hours podcast, which really just wanted to kind of sum up the market after the close. Um, so we have it Monday through Thursday. And it's just kind of a brief thing. Business news, in my opinion, doesn't need to be a whole lot. And so, you know, touch base on the most important topics of the day and move on. That's kind of what I want to do with it. All right, great job. And then August comes along and it's, it's not everybody can get away because it's COVID 
in a resurgence. So the market's still in everybody's mind. And now the fang- The market's still chugging. The market's still chugging. So what, what stood out in August? Because it's usually a quiet month. Well, we had a splitsville. I mean, we had Apple four to one split and Tesla had that five to one split. And I don't remember in the handful of years I've been watching the markets where two companies of that size have split on a four to one and five to one. So, right. So left for the dead was this idea that stocks cared about that needed to split. Like it was kind of a badge of honor that nobody split. And then boom, even though they didn't need to, and even though the markets had already recovered, they threw a little fucking bajango on the market, uh, you know, kind of mussed up the hair of the trading gods and it did something they didn't need to do. And it worked. I mean, splits were accepted. And now everybody was starting to game splits. We were just coming out of a pandemic and now people are talking about splits and which leads me to September in the TikTok world. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Just this was this felt like the height of the uh, baby day trader, where people just were all on board with gambling on stocks, gambling on sports, just gambling in general. The animal spirits were, were in the air. <laughs> this was a moment in Tommy Trance's life. Said, I, "This is why I was born." The poker games got really good. Poker games got good. Money was getting loose. The memes were still coming, and Splitsville came and went. And that wasn't enough for the market gods. They needed 11-year-olds on TikTok making stock market picks, correct? Right. And so we had this TikTok saga emerge. And then that's when we heard about the whole potential regulation of TikTok, which didn't amount to anything. But the fact that that kind of drove the headlines for the entire month of September was pretty hilarious. Yeah. Oracle was in the bidding, you know, like it was all China and TikTok. Can you imagine the misdirection? And so... So the misdirection of like the summer, you've got SPACs, Kodak, your fantastic podcast, footnote. But then you have Splitsville and no one's taking a vacation. Tommy's going 24-7 gambling SPACs, options, <laughs> YOLOing, Reddit. No gamble, no future, Howard. He's, hasn't seen the sun in three, four months. And then September rolls around into some fake, which I called right away saying this is just a, a waste of time pinning the whole world's problems on TikTok, which of course, while the fucking government's fighting TikTok, the Russia or whoever it is spent the last few days taking our secrets on the internet because we were worried about TikTok teens, which, you know, the, the president was probably upset about because, you know, the TikTokers took all the tickets for that one uh, event of theirs in the summer. So September goes away. And while TikTok was sidetracked, what happens in, in October, boys? Well, it was a social world. I mean, yeah, TikTok was kind of the, the distraction, but snaps are doing all time high. I mean, all the social stocks were hot. Right. Pinterest exploded. Stock twits was we saw a record daily track. of. I mean, Tommy was telling me every day, like, oh, my goodness, so many people are coming to the site. It's awesome. Yeah, it was it was, it was really fun. You know, it, it was an insane period. But one of the things that came with that period, Howard, which I think is, is interesting to comment on. Is that, you know, with all these TikToks coming out, with all these you know, millennials posting their trades on Robinhood, you know, what you saw all across uh, Stockwoods and Twitter was people like calling the top. They would, they would look at some, you know, TikTok that a 12-year-old made and they would be like, ah, because this 12-year-old is making a TikTok about investing, this is clearly a sign that, you know, we have top. What's your, what's your take on that? Well, my take is the exact same as it was in March. The lesson of March is sentiment works much better in calling a bottom than a top, right? Because the markets are, it's America. We're gen, it's not Russia where every day is gray and gloomy. It's America. 
Or even when you have an orange president, people wake up every day and, and think of the bright side of things. And so government wasn't working. The economy wasn't really working. The digital economy was exploding. People had all this spare time on their hands. And so in hindsight, a lot of it makes sense. None of it was something that I could have predicted. But as you said, the TikTok saga gave rise to this social media vertical because the old people hadn't heard of TikTok. So now who cares about Facebook and Twitter? Give me some Snapchat, some Pinterest, some stock twits, some Reddit, anything niche became cool in October. So, so investors were right and they rushed into vertical socials. And that's, you're right. It's, it stands out to me like today, Snapchat's twice the valuation of Twitter. No one saw that coming. One of the great things that you just talked about in your Ben Hunt podcast was this idea of like platforms. Is, is, is that idea spread to these social networks and when you see valuations like Snapchat, is that because people think of Snapchat as a platform? Yeah, I mean, as much as Ben is right and we say, oh, the narrative platforms and that's going to lead people over a bridge, certain things really are platforms, right? Like Snapchat is a platform that was meant for kids in high school and maybe college, but as soon as they got out of college, they, oh, they'd be done with it, right? Well, guess what? Those people that went with it to college now are using it in their 20s and 30s, right? And they're using it in different ways. And Ev is still the founder and product guy. So he's coming up with stuff that appeals to that demographic as it moves through the 8 to 80 system. So I think, you know, it's hard for analysts who don't use a product to project themselves into these platforms and the opportunities. So I think Snap continues to just not be used by the people making, you know, financial judgments on the company. So how could they actually... You know, it's unlike where a six-year-old analyst could walk into a Walmart and kind of sum things up by traffic uh, and go through the financials. If you know, no six-year-old analyst is on Snapchat trying to understand what's going on. So that is, you know, this rebirth of, of active investing, I think, truly took hold in October in my mind. You know, when the government went after TikTok, I think young people just started to realize, just keep away from the news and the noise and let's just get with our friends and group chats. And I think that's when these vertical networks, even startups became more valuable. It's like, hey, I, the people that got me in the war and out of this war, that's who I'm sticking with. Which brings us to November when things switched again. So what happened in November? Well, the Dow broke 30K. And I mean, had you said in March that the Dow was going to break 30K, Right, it was at seventeen k or something. Yeah, like people would just be like, "Yeah, okay, whatever, dude. I want whatever you're smoking." Yeah, well, I still want whatever you're smoking, but I want it. It's going to be more enjoyable with Dow thirty k because I'm not broke. <laughs> I'm not smoking and singing the blues. I'm smoking and listening to rap. There you go. Yeah, and then small caps, which have been left for dead. So we have this decade squeezed into six months. So we go from like, okay, you could you could create a narrative which says, Howard, listen, you're going to wake up a man and the NASDAQ 100 will be at all time highs. And, I, and you could make me believe that. But if you said in November that TikTok was going to be blamed for, you know, the problems of America and that the Dow would be at 30K and that people would give up their fangs for small caps, that's when I would have said, dude, we can legalize weed, but not that weed. With, with small cap soaring, is that, is, that a, is that a sign of a kind of extreme speculation? Or is that is that a sign that, you know, as you talk about froth, is that where that kind of begins to be like, oh, wow, like this is this is really frothy? No, I think or, it's... Oh, go or ahead, is that America opening up? Yeah. I, I kind of think it might be America opening up and the small companies figuring out how to use the internet. I mean, exactly. that kind of is what it seems I think to it's, me. But. I think it's those that survived, survived. 
right? They can see mm-hmm. the end of the tunnel in a year and they can see that, oh, even if I didn't want to get PPP, I know the vaccine is coming. I really need PPP. I don't want to be that person taking PPP or I don't want to take a loan. But if you'll give me it, I almost made it. So why shouldn't I make it? So I think, yes, you're starting to see that optimism as we kick to the other side of this, right? Where even even if the numbers keep going up for a few months, like the herd immunity will kick in. Science will, you know, the death toll will start dropping because of herd immunity. And so I think the people that made it this far are like, fuck it. You know, I'm going to survive or I'm going to do everything I can to survive. And that's playing out in small cap world. Now that's hindsight, but that's how it feels. So that's November where it carried over into the real world, which brings us to December and we're near the end of December and fucking December is blowing my mind. So what stands out so far in December? Well, we have the unicorns. (laughs) Okay. You two, you two children get it together and speak separately. (laughs) All right. Take take it away. (laughs) I was going to say, well, we had the unicorns come out and DoorDash and Airbnb both went public, um, which was interesting to hear because you had heard all year of these companies wanting to go public, but then given all the uncertainty, they, they were still kind of on the fence. So it's interesting to see that they finally closed the deal b- before the year end. Yeah. So there's this rush. So even the smart people are like, mm, we better take this chance and get the hell out. And they're getting rewarded for it. They rushed and are getting rewarded. It's like, Investors are like, you didn't need to rush. We're going to buy your stock anyways. What else? You've got Bitcoin above 24K. Whoa. And most importantly around Bitcoin is no one's talking about it. Yeah, well, I think what's really interesting is, uh, I don't know if you you follow uh, Ben and Michael's Animal Spirits podcast, but they had the founder of BlockFi on it, Zach Prince. And that was just an amazing insight into the product world of Bitcoin and what's happening for the consumers like in that space and kind of what's coming down the line. And I had a post about it on StockBlitz where I was like, you know, is anyone aware that you know you could be generating, you know, 8.6% interest on your cash if you just held it in this BlockFi account? And everybody was commenting on that, being like, whoa, this is crazy. Uh, so I think it's really cool just to see people like Zach who are building these really interesting products using this crypto world that is so foreign to so many people. So crypto is back, yet people aren't as upset about it. And so at the same time, there's actual product possibly being made. But at the same time, Bitcoin's kind of been put in this corner as like, as I talked about it with Ben, it's like, all right, it's a thing. The banks have finally realized it's not going away. Therefore, it's a thing. Just the fact that it's not going away, they need to figure out a way to make money on it. Then you get Tesla added to the S&P 500. Apple is back in the rumors because we're in a in a boom that they're going to have an electric car themselves. Anything else that's really standing out in November? I mean, December is one of the gifts that keeps on giving. Uh, you know, just talking about like fuel cell and plug and, and Riley's talking about like the solar ETF. It seems like everything that is what you would deem futuristic or people have an extremely forward looking uh, future outlook on what's going to change in, in the coming world. And you have chat map talking about Twitter every day about his like climate portfolios. And it seems like that's really taking the investing and market world by storm. And you didn't even bring up the election in November and with the election comes weed, right? We didn't talk about two other things that like Stockwitz kind of put up with all year. It was like, who's going to win in November came and went and we got a new president. And now we have, how do we deal with this debt 
And one of those things that's been rallying and it's not didn't even make the 12 month review. And for good reason, because theoretically, the only way to play U.S. weed is through pink sheet stocks. So we're still like maybe in the earliest of early days for weed in a world that has this much debt or in the U.S. that needs to figure out revenue. Well, we turn the page to January and I mean, it's fun. But what what do you think if you were to take uh, take a couple minutes each and, and say what? Reading what just happened this year, what what do you see happening next year? Hey, I mean, honestly, what's going to happen next year? I have no idea. Um, I think it's the most interesting thing to see that January of 2020, Tesla had one of its best months ever, up 55%. And then in December, it gets officially added to the S&P 500. And then we also see Apple, one of the largest companies in the world, kind of trying to join this EV train. So I'm assuming we're going to continue to see this electric vehicle run. Like you said, marijuana and stuff. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm kind of curious to see how these other states are going to legalize it. Coming from Colorado, like I kind of grew up with it in a sense. I think we legalized it for medicinal use when I was like in middle school. So it's just kind of here. So I think really once you start to see other states playing catch up, that's really when we're going to see something out of that space. But as far as 2021 goes, it definitely seems kind of like Tommy was saying, the future is winning. Well, I like that. The future is winning. And Tommy, what, do you, what, what gets you excited? Obviously, coming out of your basement and seeing the sun would be something we hope for you in 2021. Yeah, so, so speaking of something that doesn't grow in the sun, Howard, is, uh, you know, mushrooms have had an incredible Good run point. recently. Because there's not enough uh, risk in weed, we needed mushrooms. Because- <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that, that's actually an incredible kind of medical space um, that I know my father has been, you know, ushering me to, to learn more about um, just because of how much wonders it's been doing to kind of some of the most tragic diseases out there, especially in the, the mental space. Uh, so that's a really exciting field. But I've placed my bets on continuation of current trends. So I obviously think social is a huge aspect of the world going forward. You know, things like Snapchat and Twitter, I think these things are only going to get bigger. Uh, Tech in the realm of Spotify and, you know, Apple, obviously, like these are really cool companies that I think are doing incredible things and will continue to do incredible things. And I don't think, uh, I don't think you need to reinvent the wheel in 2021. I think a lot of the things that are working are going to continue to work, whether or not, uh, Clifford Asness agrees with that as something else. But you know, I, I hope that it's kind of the continuation of tech and, and growth. And we see kind of these awesome companies are continuing to do cool things. And what do you think about young people? What is the, their product? What, what do they like about investing? What are you seeing the, the friends that are just because you guys were into this for a while? What are you seeing your friends be excited about with respect to investing? Or are they? Or they don't give a shit? No, I they're definitely there's, more there's interested. Two, hmm. I love the way def- you guys talk over each other. Sorry, go ahead, Rob. <laughs> like you're one person. I was going to say, they're definitely more interested. And I think it's just easier access. Um, I mean, you have products like Robinhood and StockTwits and you're able to trade from your phone as if you were on Wall Street. And when Wall Street kind of shuts down, I think maybe there's like this barrier that gets removed. Um, I think you have to also accredit definitely part of that to Portnoy because he kind of showed people that, oh, like anyone could do this. Theoretically, like anyone could do it, whether they can do it successfully or not is the question, but the barrier of entry is, is not as high as kind of what people may have thought it was. And Tom A? Yeah, so I, I think there's there's two sides of this. I think there's one side of people my age who are of the very gambling mindset of, you know, I want to see my money go up as 
far as possible. And they're doing things like investing in OTC stocks right now. They're investing in SPACs. And right now it's working for them. And they're probably going to continue doing this until they get really hurt. Um, so I, I do think the eventual outcome for that group of people is, is going to end up in disappointment, uh, which is going to be a suck for them. But I think it's going to be a, a valuable lesson. Obviously, I could be wrong and you know they can just continue to kill it. Um, but I, I do think there's going to be a lot of pain in that specter uh, relatively soon or, or eventually. But then on the other hand, you see uh, a huge rise in kind of the millennial generation of things like ESG investing and people putting their values and and, uh, building these 8 to 80 portfolios uh, with companies that they really kind of believe in that have aligned values with their interests and moral compass. And that's what I'm really bullish on. I I think people really taking care of where their money is going, where their money is being invested in. Uh, You know, they're willing to buy and hold these companies and not sell because they feel comfortable where their money is being held. Um, And that is a a side of the investing and and market world that I think is just going to continue to grow. And uh, something that I I love to do personally. And if Disney opens, are you rushing to Disney or you don't give a fuck? We've already been. No, uh, we've we've been to Universal like like two weeks ago, and so yeah, uh, we're we're not we're not scared. The lines are shorter. And what about movies? Dead or come back? I was never a big theater person to begin with, so I'm I'm over it. Well, you have weed, so yes, that's your, your motivation is always going to be lacking. But Tommy, <laughs> no, I think that's one of the incredible, exciting things about Disney Plus and and how much power they have. I love the future in the world of either Disney just buys out all the movie theaters and they create a Disney World inside every movie theater, so they just hmm. own that experience, or that you know movies are just released straight to these streaming services and we get to enjoy them you know in the comfort of our own home as soon as they come out now, I, I do think there is still value in that movie experience i think there is something to movie magic um but I, I definitely think it's going to be kind of more owned and centralized by corporations like disney in the future rather than kind of big things like amc and what about dating how horny are you two scale of one to ten that's Dude, why I'm on Snapchat. Demand. A lot of talk. I asked for a number. That sounds like an 11. <laughs> it's just a straight the, number, the guys. The demand is incredible. Okay, so that's a 12. I, I just like, I have no idea what's going to happen in 2021 because everybody you seem to talk to is making plans for, for next year. On Yeah, I have things, like 11 so. profiles just teed up, ready to go. There you go. Yeah. I'm using Phil Perlman's photo just to see how hard up the ladies are. There you go. Because if I can get a lady to respond to that photo on my, it's in the clear. It's a sure thing. What uh, What are you looking forward to in 2021? Are you going to place a deposit on an Apple EV? No, I'm not an EV guy, but I am on the, I've got my $100 down on a Tesla. But I did do the same thing with Peloton and canceled that. Um, I'm an outdoor person. I'm not a car guy, but I, yeah, I think a Tesla's in my future. I think I have to, I've made the cardinal error of not living in the future by owning one. It cost me a fortune. I don't think it'll ever get me excited, but it's a reminder that uh, to make money in the markets, you actually have to spend money on the products and play with them. And that's how you were ahead of the curve, whether it was AirPods or whether it's Spotify or paying for a service that you don't think anybody else will pay for. I think if you want to make money in the markets uh, going forward, uh, yeah, the old ways were go to the mall and kick the tires. And I'm not saying that won't work now. The new ways to live a little bit in the future and play with all the products and stop being so cynical. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to go EV because I think that trend is set. Um, I'm excited to be more thoughtful around how I travel. Like for you guys, are you excited to go to the office or are you done? I'm pumped to go to the office, but I also would love to go to a different office like every single week. 
the remote lifestyle is phenomenal, but definitely having a workplace. So I don't know, maybe we're going to see more WeWorks. And yeah, yeah, yeah. well, you will. It'll just be in different type of cap structure. And then Tommy, what about you? You're an office kid. Yeah, well, at first, uh, if you told asked me this three months ago, I would have said, get me in an office ASAP. But I think there is something towards learning how to deal with the new normal of working from home. And the more you get used to it, the more an hour and a half commute each day seems like, what the hell was I doing? So there's definitely uh, two sides of that coin. All right, gentlemen, you did a great job in 2020. I mean, it was not an easy year to move, to, to be on call and a social network 24-7 to not have the direction. I've seen my daughter struggle with, you know, being at a startup or any kid that I, that calls me and goes, what do I do? Like I'm on Slack and everybody's fighting for their own life. So I think what you guys did was incredible. Uh, you took direction well with information coming at you from all angles, from, from our standpoint, right? Can we're impressed. Absolutely. Yeah. Always impressed with these two gentlemen. No, just with the young people in general, from TikTok goofing on the president to Snapchat, saying fuck you like ev and the crew saying you know we're into, they're turning out billionaires left and right at snapchat uh to robin hood to it's like fucking everywhere unlike us at that age they actually know how to think for themselves i love that yeah we were thinking about party like they're made fun of but we were always thinking about party 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 and they're not they're thinking about pandemic 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 so there could be a roaring 20s for you kids there could be like all right you know, trust us. We're not coming to the office for a month. We'll do our work from the road. We're going on a around the world Tinder extravaganza. <laughs> so I'm optimistic for you guys. All right. So stay safe over the holidays, boys. Thanks, Howard. Now, they're, now they're scared to Thanks, talk. Howard. They were talking over each other. The whole <laughs> yeah. <time. laughs> and uh, next time we'll descript it so you guys know when to talk. Perfect. Absolutely. That, that, that'll work Happy well. holidays, Howard. Happy holidays, boys. Talk to Happy you holidays, soon. Guys. Happy holidays, guys. See ya. So there you have it, K-Nut. Quite a year, huh? You, oh. let, you and I sat down here in March and we're banging out this stuff. And it was just like every day. I was like, what? I just huh? can't wait to see what 2021 is going to bring us. It can't be the same. I can't put up with it. Right. No, I mean. This, Too much the, excitement. Yeah, you're going to have a calm down. People will go back to work and they'll go back to like experiential things. And the market is just one of those things we'll have to compartmentalize. So that'll be the biggest change in 2021. If not 2021, late. 2021, early 2022. All right, that was a Stock Twitch year in review. You are listening to Panic with Friends. I have people on to talk about the markets, trends, venture capital, investing, living a little bit in the future. Um, thanks, Canute. You can uh, grab it on Spotify or Apple or Google. Just search my name, search Panic with Friends. Thanks, Stock Twits, for uh, distributing it, and we will see everybody soon.